Welcome to our teaching today, where Christ's Word is the center of our world. We are about to listen to the undiluted Word of God from the throne of grace with Pastor Philip Ransom Bello. While I was meditating on what to say, on what to um, speak about this evening, um, it just dropped in my spirit that we haven't talked about uh, the blood in a while. Uh -huh. So we're, we're going to begin the blood series today. Yes. yes. Yeah, we're going to begin the blood series. And that's the reason why I wore a red tie. Praise God. So we're going to talk about the blood. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 11. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 11. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come. With the greater and more perfect tabernacle. How many of you understand that? Christ came as what? As high priest of the good things to come. It means good things had not yet come before this time. Is that correct? So Christ came as what? Uh, the high priest of the good things to come. Now hear this. Every high priest is always going to mediate something. Every high priest is always going to bring something to the table. So he stands in between God and whatever God is trying to offer to the people. Praise God. So if you are a high priest of sadness, the person mediates sadness from a source and brings to a people. If one is a high priest of mercy, he mediates mercy from a source and brings it to the people. So a high priest is one who stands in between. Is that okay? So who is the high priest? The one who what? Stands in between. So Jesus Christ is the high priest of what? Of the good things. Say, say with me, of, of what? Of the good things to come. So I hope you know before Jesus Christ there were many high priests. Alright? There were many high priests that came before he came. And those high priests that came before he came mediated on things that were temporary. Not things that were permanent. So the idea of God was uh, 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 caught into snippets of temporary mercies and goodness. But the good thing to come is the one that is eternal. Alright? is the one that is eternal. So uh, God wants to bring mercy to his people. But there is a high priest who stands between God and the people. That mediates between God's mercies. Alright? And the people. So... Jesus now is our high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands that is not of this creation. Um, uh, let me put it this way, just a brief background uh, information. The high priest that operated from the time of Moses up until the time of Jesus was according to the order of Aaron. Right. He was of the tribe of the Levites. Now, the high priest that came be, be, before, before Jesus, those high priests were of the order of Levi. And Levi was the ordained set of people to bring mercy and judgment to God's children, the Israelites. But Jesus is not of the order of Levi. So who can tell me where Jesus came from? There are 12 tribes of, of Joseph. Of which of the tribes does Jesus come from? Jesus is of the tribe of Judah. 
So there was no plan for a priest to come from the tribe of Judah. But Jesus is of the tribe of Judah, which means that he will bring about a new order, not according to the priesthood of that of the Levites, but according to the priesthood of that which scripture seemingly compares Jesus to another kind of high priest that the Old Testament talks about. Who is that? Fantastic. Melchizedek. Now Melchizedek is a man to whom there is no record of his origin and there is no record of his death which symbolizes um, the, the foreverness of Melchizedek. Do you understand what I'm saying? So there's no, there's no one who has a record of Melchizedek's death and there's no one who has a record of when he was born. But he was actually a man. It's just that nobody has a record. So the Bible um, typifies Christ as, as of the order of Melchizedek. So Jesus is going to mediate better things, good things, than those that were... Than, than those who stood before. Now, let's keep reading. Let me show you something. Next verse is, Not with the blood of goats and calves. Who mediated this kind of blood before Jesus came? The priest of the Levitical order. Is that correct? All right. But with his own blood, this is talking about Jesus now, with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained what? eternal redemption can we take that stay on verse 12 can we take that um verse together i want us to memorize uh, uh, that that last phrase or let's start from uh, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once and for all let's say that together but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all Having obtained eternal redemption. Say with me, say, having obtained eternal redemption. Say that again, having obtained eternal redemption. What is the difference between the redemption of Jesus and the redemption of the other high priest? One is eternal and the other is what? Is temporal. Alright, so he says, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal what? Redemption. Say after me, God has obtained eternal redemption through Jesus' blood. So the first thing about the blood that I want you to write down, number one, is the blood has provided eternal reconciliation. Write that down. The blood of Jesus has provided eternal reconciliation. The blood of Jesus has provided eternal reconciliation. Now hear this. On God's part, we have been eternally reconciled. On God's part. Because there are two sides now to this thing. There is God's part and there is your part. But on God's part, we have been eternally reconciled. Now man has to receive that reconciliation. Are you, are you getting what I'm saying? So that he can manifest that which God has already done. So Jesus took his own blood and entered once and for all. Why is it that the redemption mediated by Jesus Christ as our high priest is eternal? Why is it eternal? Who can connect seat, standing 
with this question. Why is it that the redemption that he mediated for you is eternal? As regarding to if Jesus stands or sits. So if, if you notice in the Old Testament, the tabernacle that is there, there is no seat for the high priest. Okay, So the high priest comes, offers his duties, or takes on his responsibilities, and is not permitted to sit down. As a matter of fact, there is a bell and chains that are tied around him. Okay, when he gets into the, the, the holies of holies, the holy of holies, and if he doesn't do something right, he probably is struck dead. He has to be dragged in by those ropes. Uh, all right, but there is no seat there. But scripture talks about the tabernacle that is not made of, uh, uh, not made with hands. Jesus goes in there. He offers his blood, and scripture says he what? He sits. At the right hand of God. So what makes the redemption of Jesus eternal is the fact that he is sitting down. Now he's sitting down means it is finished. Praise the Lord. He's sitting down means that it is what? It is finished. So it is eternal because it is finished. It is eternal because he is not going to offer again another blood. Praise the Lord. So Jesus' redemption is eternal. Say this after me. I have been reconciled eternally to God by the blood of Jesus Christ. I hope you know that the blood of Jesus also went backwards. Yeah, when Jesus offered his blood, the blood of Jesus went back to the time of Adam. And it also uh, purged the sins of Adam and came to the cross and moved forward from the cross to where you are. That's how powerful the blood is. And if, 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 you want, if, if, you want, if you see the dynamics between how you know, God does that, Scripture says that the Lamb was slain before the foundations of the world. So there is every reason why God foreseen that blood will be needed to establish the earth. There is every reason why His blood can go back. Glory to God. So we have been eternally reconciled to God. Now the question here is, why will people go to hell? If God has been eternally reconciled to us. Let me show you the answer in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 7. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 7. Why do people go to hell? If God has been reconciled to people. So why do people still go to hell? And to give you who are troubled rest with us with the Lord. Or when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not, now two things here, vengeance on those who do not what, know God, and on those who do not what, obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So people will see the vengeance of God because they do not obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have taught you in this church what the gospel means. Who knows what the gospel means? In simple terms, what is the gospel? Alright, yeah, the, the gospel means the death is about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But what, what is the gospel? What is the meaning of the word gospel? The meaning of the word gospel is good news. So whatever is good news, alright, is gospel. And you see here in scripture that Jesus is the mediator of good things to come. So can you connect the good things to come and gospel? Can you connect that? So good things to come is what the gospel is. So people go to hell because they refuse to receive the gospel. What is the gospel? Jesus died. He was buried. 
and he rose again. That's the gospel. And if you put your faith in Christ, you are saved. Glory to God. Said glory to God. Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 19. Take down scriptures as much as you can and go home and study so you become um, accustomed to the things of the gospel. Glory to God. Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 19. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Let me rephrase. God was in Christ reconciling the church to himself. Is that what the Bible says? God was in Christ reconciling whom? Are you just the only one God reconciled? How many people did God reconcile? He reconciled the world. So the world is reconciled to God, including the rapist. Including the, the, the man who bombs himself and kills innocent people. That man is reconciled to God. Now, you know, I spoke about two parts. I spoke about God's part and I spoke about our part. On God's part, he has reconciled himself to us. But on our part, not everyone has accepted his reconciliation. Do you understand that? So, scripture says that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing the trespass to them, and has what? Committed to us the word of reconciliation. Say after me, I have the word of reconciliation. Committed to me. Say it louder. Say, I have the word of reconciliation. Committed to me. Do you know why it's a privilege to have the word of reconciliation? given to you. It's a privilege because it is not your job to tell. It's not your story to tell. It's not your business to tell. Are you getting what I'm saying? The fact that Jesus died and he has saved the whole world is not your story to tell. It's only his story to tell. But it's a privilege. It's a privileged message because um, um, he has granted you a message that is beyond you. So we, we carry, we run with this privileged message. And let's keep reading to see what this message is, is all about. Next verse. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. Somebody say, through me. Say it loud. Say, through me. God, we're pleading through me. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Do you see the word there, on Christ's behalf? Because it is Christ's story to tell. It's not your story to tell, but he has given us the privilege of this word of reconciliation. So he says, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So whose part are we addressing here? Be reconciled to God is whose part? This is the part of man. But on the part of God, has God been reconciled to us? How do we know God has been reconciled to us? Huh? Talk to me, somebody. How do we know God has been reconciled? God was in Christ Jesus reconciling himself to the world. And how did he do this? By the blood. So you see, number one, that the blood of Jesus has given me eternal reconciliation. Let's keep reading. Now then, we ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Next verse. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Can we see another version? Let's see, um, let's see the message version and the amplified. Start with anyone. Start from verse 18 again. 
all this comes from the God who settled the relationship between us and him. Say the relationship is settled. No more fight. Do you understand that? No more fight between God and you. And then called us to settle our relationships with each other. Are you seeing this? It says God put the world square with himself through the Messiah. Giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins. This is something to rejoice about. God has given us the task of telling everyone what he is doing. We are Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. We are speaking for Christ himself now. Become friends with God. He's already a friend with you. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Look at your neighbor and say, Be- become friends with God. Because he's already a friend with you. Come on, say hallelujah. hallelujah. Let's see the, uh, the, the amplified version. I mean, it can't be clearer. It, it can't be any clearer. But let's see the amplified version. Verse, verse 19. It was God personally present in Christ. Somebody say personally present in Christ. I mean, imagine God was personally present in Christ. That's why when, 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 Peter, when Philip said, show us the Father, he was talking to Jesus. Jesus said, how can you say to me, show me the Father when you have seen me? Don't you know that if you have seen me, you have seen the Father? So God was personally. Sounds like a song, but it's okay. God was personally present in Christ. Recon- amen, amen. Reconciling and restoring the world to favor with himself. Not counting up and holding against men their trespasses, but canceling them and somebody say canceling them. Glory to God. If you don't like this part of the Bible, you can tear it. But it doesn't change the truth. <laughs> amen. It says, but canceling them and committing to us the message of reconciliation, of the restoration to favor. Praise God. Next verse. So we are Christ's ambassadors, God making his appeal as it were through us. We, as Christ's personal representatives, beg you for his sake to lay hold of the divine favor now offered you and be reconciled to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So people hear the gospel but reject the gospel. What is the gospel? That he has forgiven you of your sins. That's the gospel. That you have forgiveness of sins already. That's the gospel. So when people reject this, this is the reason why they go to hell. They don't go to hell because of sin that they committed. Yeah, Pastor Phil said it because the Bible said it. Nobody, in fact, you just read it. Nobody goes to hell because of a sin that he commits. Sin is not that powerful. There's a song by the Elevation Church. It says, sin was strong, but Jesus is stronger. You know that song? It says, uh, it says um, um, Satan is strong, but Jesus is stronger. So you, you, can't, you can't waste sin. And, and Sin is not a factor in this business. It's not. So say after me, I have eternal redemption. Now this is on God's part. What is my part? To receive it. Say, I receive it. 
How do we receive it? By believing. Glory to God. Number two. By the blood of Jesus, we have crossed the lines. By the blood of Jesus, we have what? We have crossed the lines. By the blood of Jesus, we have crossed the lines. Write it down. By the blood of Jesus, we have crossed the lines. Ephesians chapter 2 from verse 13. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 13. King James Version. Ephesians 2 verse 13. Oh, blessed be God. He says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off, look at your neighbor and say, you are far, you are very far. You were a, you want to be. Yeah, that's who you were before. But now you joined. Do you understand? I don't join, not be Philamong. I am in the fold now. Praise God. He says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. Somebody say, I've been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. Look at, look at verse 14. He says, for he himself is our peace who has made both one. What is the both there? The both there is the Jews and the Gentiles. So that's the both there. The both there is not God and you. That's not what the scripture is saying there. But the both there is talking about the Jews and the Gentiles. So he says, um, he has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. I hope you know the Jews had a complex that they were the only ones who were accepted by God. And everyone who is not a Jew is far from God. In fact, if you came to church in those days, uh, the Jews come in, no matter how late they come. They will enter inside and the Gentiles stay outside. So there was an actual wall of separation. But the Bible says in Jesus' blood, that wall has been broken down. So there is no more middle wall of separation between the Jews and the Gentiles anymore. Next verse. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances... So as to create in himself one new man from the two. Who is the, who, who is the one new man from the two? No, it's not, it's not Jesus Christ. Who is the one new man from the two? It's the church. That's the one new man. Because God makes the Jews and the Gentiles out of those two. He makes one man. So that man now is, who, is what the Bible describes as the body of Christ or the church. Are you still here? So as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body. So he says he might reconcile them both to God. So the, the, the them there is not God and we. It's Jews and Gentiles both to God. Do you understand it? That he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. Between the two of them. Hallelujah. Can I show you something that happened on the cross? There was something that, that happened on the day Jesus died. It's very unique. I, I think many of us have read it but ignored it. Let me show you in Luke chapter 23 from verse 9. Let me show you. Luke chapter 23 from verse, verse 9. By the blood of Jesus we have crossed the line. Amen. By the blood of Jesus we have what? We have crossed the line. Then he questioned him with many words. But he answered him nothing. Now this is Pilate talking. He answered him nothing. Next verse. 
And the chief priests and scribes stood and vehemently accused him. Then Herod, now who is Herod? Let's establish who these people are. Who is Herod? Herod is the king of the Jews. Alright? Pilate is the leader of the Gentiles. So Herod is the king of the Jews. Pilate is the, is the, is the leader of the, of, of the Gentiles. Now see what the Bible says happened the day Jesus died. Then Herod with his men of war treated him with contempt and mocked him. Arrayed him in a gorgeous robe and sent him back to whom? To Pilate. So Herod sent Jesus back to whom? To Pilate. Who is Pilate? Leaders of, leader of who? Of the Gentiles. Who is Herod? The king of the Jews. Do, do you understand that? Okay, next verse. That very day, Pilate and Herod became what? Friends with each other. Are you seeing what I'm seeing here? That very day, Pilate and Herod became what? Friends with each other. This never happened before Jesus died. But the day Jesus was about to die, that very day, Pilate, who is Pilate representing? The Gentiles. Who is Herod representing? The Jews. Says that very day, Pilate and Herod became friends with each other. For previously, they had been, an, they had been at enmity with each other. This is a symbol of what Jesus did, that he brought both the Jews and he brought both the Gentiles and he made one new man out of the two of them. Who is that new man? Say, say me, say me. And who is me? The church of the living God. Hallelujah. So we have been brought near by the blood. The lines have been crossed. There is no more enmity between God and us. We have come near by the blood. I hope you know that you have crossed uh, the line of sickness by the blood of Jesus. Because salvation has, is, a, is a compound word that has all those things in it. You are not just saved from sins, but you are saved from sickness, disease. You are saved from poverty. You are saved from bondage. You are saved. You are, you are delivered. Hallelujah. So you have crossed poverty lines. You have crossed the lines of the curse. The Bible says curse is the one who hangs on a tree, having become a curse for us, as it is written. Are you getting what I'm saying? Let's see Galatians chapter, uh, 3 from verse, let's start from verse 11. Galatians chapter 3 from verse 11. It says, But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by what? By faith. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. Now verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Having become a curse for us, for it is written... Cursed is everyone who what hangs on a tree. Why didn't they stop Jesus? Jesus had to die. Why didn't he die by stabbing? Why didn't Jesus die by stabbing? Why didn't they strangle him? Because the curse is on the tree. Are, are you getting what I'm saying? If you go back to the Old Testament, there is a curse on the one who hangs on the tree. So Jesus had to die that kind of death. So when Jesus died on the tree, he took the curse away. Glory to God. So say after me, say, there is no curse on me. Are you getting what I'm saying? There's no curse operating in your life. This is the New Testament reality that you're operating. And it should wire the way you think. Are you getting what I'm saying? 
So when people talk about generational curses, you must know that you have been redeemed from the tribes of men. You've been redeemed from the blood of men. You've been redeemed from the curse of man. Hallelujah. So there's no curse on me. No more sickness. Number three. We have remission of sins. We have what? Remission of sins. The first one we said what? That the blood has provided eternal reconciliation. Number two we said that we have crossed the line. Number three we said what? Or we are saying we have remission of sins. I hope you know there's a difference between remission and atonement. Hmm? To atone means to cover. But remission means what? To blot out. To wipe away. That's what remission is. Glory to God. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 7. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 7 says, But into the second part, the high priest went alone once a year. Now where is this part? Is that the Holy of Holies? Yes. It says, Not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the people's sins committed in ignorance. Next verse. The Holy Spirit indicating this, that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was still standing. Are you getting this? It was symbolic for the present time in which both gifts and sacrifices are offered, which cannot make him who performed the service perfect in regard to the conscience. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Now, I would explain, I would explain this to you. Uh, uh, but, but let me just read it all through, then I'll come back to this. Concerned only with foods and drinks, various washings, and fleshly ordinances imposed until the time of reformation. Verse 11. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands that is not of this creation. Next verse. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained what? Eternal redemption. Verse 13. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience okay so the blood of jesus cleanses my what my conscience from dead works to serve the living god now let me explain what this is talking about um jesus's blood didn't just deliver you from the acts of sin but jesus's blood delivered you from what produces the sin and what the sin leaves behind. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, there is something that causes the sin. There is the sin itself. And there is what the sin leaves behind. But what man you see is the sin itself. The sin itself is the killing, is the lying, is the uh, adultery, is the Name them. Hmm? You say what? Okay, you're all righteous in Christ now. You don't know all the, you don't know all that stuff, yeah? It's, it's okay. 
all those things, that's what we see. But, but, but hear this. There is something that produces that scene. And there is something that is left behind after that scene. So what the blood of Jesus does is it doesn't just, it, it, it doesn't just deal with the scene itself, but it deals with what produces the scene, which is the power of sin, and it deals with what is left behind after the scene, which is the residue of sin. Alright? So, what is the thing that produces the scene? The nature of sin. The Bible calls it the old man. In Romans chapter 6. Let's go to Romans chapter 6 from verse 1. Romans chapter 6 from verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. Now, certainly not here means it is God forbid, according to the King James Version. It also means certainly not. And the meaning of this certainly not is God will not allow it so. That's the meaning of God forbid. God forbid means that God will not let this happen. It's not tofiakwa. That's not the God forbid here. Do you understand what I'm saying? God forbid here means that God will ensure that this does not happen. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? So, we're preaching grace to you. Does that mean that you continue in sin? So, Paul is saying here that it will not happen so because God set things in motion to making sure that this will not happen. Do you understand that? So, let's keep reading. It says, how shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Now, the, the, the word sin there is, is the nature of sin, not the products of sin. Um, uh, there's a factory that produces um, 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 Coke. There's, there's a, okay, there's a factory that produces biscuits. You can eat all the biscuits, but if the factory is still there, there will be biscuits produced the next day. Is that correct? More bread will be produced the next day from the bakery. Is that, is that correct? But if you destroy the bakery, so what the blood of Jesus has done is that he has destroyed the bakery. He has destroyed what produces the sin, which is the nature of sin. So, certainly not here is that there is a motion set in place, which is the reason why when we say grace, you will be able to leave grace. Are, are you getting what I'm saying? So, it says, certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Let's keep going. Or do you not know that as, a, as many of us, as we are baptized into Christ Jesus, we are baptized into his death? He's, he's trying to say that you are dead. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? If I, put you and a, and if I put you and a dead man in a room and money is missing, who will I hold? <laughs> who am I supposed to hold? <laughs> I will hold the one who is alive. Not that it's bad to be alive. But it's only the one who is alive that can steal. The dead one can't steal. So Romans 6 is saying that because you are dead is the reason why this thing is possible. 
Do you understand it? He says, or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? He says that as he died, you also died with him. It's the gospel of inclusion. That he didn't die just for you. You know, we sang that song. He died for you and you died with him. For we are crucified with Christ. Let's quickly flip there. Galatians chapter 2 from verse 20. Galatians 2 verse 20. I have been crucified with. You see the word with there. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. Let me tell you what the Christian life is. The Christian life is not you trying to be like Christ. The Christian life is Christ living his life through you. So all you need to do is just allow him. And spiritual maturity is the end you come to yourself to the degree that he can live himself. I didn't plan that one. I want to write it. What did I say? What did I just say now? <laughs> Please tell me. Somebody tell me what I just said. Tell me what I just said. Huh? Spiritual maturity is the degree to the end you come to yourself to allow him live himself. The through you is too much, but you already understand what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. So the Christian life is not you trying to be like Christ. Are you getting what I'm saying? Who knows E.W. Kenyon here? E.W. Kenyon uh, uh, was a man that God used greatly to expose the truth of redemption. So go and read, go and read his books. Very awesome, awesome writings by E.W. Kenyon. But you know E.W. Kenyon was in darkness for two years and the reason he was in darkness for two years is because he spoke angrily to someone and he felt that he had committed the unpardonable sin. So he was running from God all, all the while. Now it was that trouble in his mind that led, led to the search of the facts of redemption. And that's how E.W. E. Kenyon found the, the truths of redemption that we have today. Praise God. So, so he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith. You see, you see this is the problem with New King James Version. Let's use the King James Version. See that? Live in the faith of the Son of God. In the flesh, I live by the faith of you see the difference? Faith in the Son of God. It's not just faith in the Son of God. It's the faith of the Son. Meaning that he's the one living in me. He's living himself out of me. That's why you can, you, you can, all you need to do is just make sure you keep killing yourself. If you want to be mature, let me tell you a sign of, it, of babies. Babies are the ones that get... Um, 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 into, into sin generally and babies are the ones that have strife amongst each other that's a baby babies are the ones who fight fight his neighbor um, steals commit fornication adultery lying, these are babies anger, bitterness malice, those are babies so to the degree that you can kill yourself 
is the degree that you will see the life of Christ out of you. Praise God. Alright, let's, let's go back to Romans chapter 6. Now it says, or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ, Jesus, were baptized into his death. Next verse. Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. Next verse. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, saying that you died and he died, all right? certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Now see verse 6. Knowing this, somebody say knowing this. Now, the old man is crucified, okay? The old man has been dead already, has been crucified. Now, he says, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin, what is the body of sin? The nature, this is the bakery, this is the factory, okay? This is the thing that produces the sin. Are you getting what I'm saying? We're not talking about the sin itself now. We're talking about the body of sin. Somebody said the body of sin. Say it loud with me. Say the body of sin. What is the body of sin? It's likened to that factory of sin. So it says that the body of sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin. Are you getting what I'm saying? That thing does not exist anymore. So you cannot be a slave to sin anymore. So this is the certainly not that um, um, Paul was explaining that God has set in motion why you cannot be in sin as grace abounds. That the body of sin has been done away with. Next verse, verse 7. For he who has died has been freed from sin. He who has what died has been what freed from sin. Are you dead? Are you scared? Are you dead? Is the body of sin dead in you? It is dead. And because of that, you are what? You are freed from sin. Next verse. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also what? Live with him. Please use the King James Version for, for me. King James Version, please. Go back to verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not, not serve sin. Now, let's keep moving. Alright, move to the next verse. Now, next verse. Next verse. Next verse. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Next verse. I want to show you something. Now, see, see verse 11. This is where I'm going. Somebody say, likewise. likewise. Alright. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. So, he's saying that the factory of sin has been dealt with. Are you getting what I'm saying? What produces the sin has been dead, has been crucified. So, he's saying, reckon it to be so. Who knows what the meaning of reckon is? Reckon means to impute it in your mind. Huh? To reckon means to impute in your mind that this thing has been dealt with. So when sin, when temptation comes, you can say no because you know you are dead. 
So he's saying likewise. Because he was talking about God's part now. So he's now saying on your own part, what do you do? You reckon on your part. God's part is that he has crucified the body of sin. Is that correct? God's part is what? What is the body of sin? The nature of sin. What is the body of sin? The nature of sin. So he's saying now that on your part, you likewise what? You reckon ye also yourselves. So it doesn't matter what sin it is. When the temptation to, if you are the, if you, if, if you are the type that, that lies naturally, it's after you've lied, you know that you've lied. You know, it's as if the nature is still working. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Or if you are the type that, you know, any small thing, you just get angry. The Bible says, reckon yourself to be dead. So that when the temptation of those things come, you know what you tell yourself? I am dead. I will respond to this. Because a dead man doesn't respond to things. Because the truth of the, of the word is that our old man has been crucified with him. Glory to God. Let's keep reading. Next verse. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Next verse. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God. He's saying it as though you have a choice. Right? He's saying it as though it's something you decide. So if the believer falls into sin, it's because he, he wanted to. He chose to. If the believer fell into sin, it's because he has not reckoned, he has not put it in his head that I'm dead. Do you understand what I'm saying? He has, not, he has not told himself, I don't do this. Why? Because it's not in my nature to do this. I have, the, I have the nature of righteousness. Because the old man is dead. Are you getting what I'm saying? So we must record. It's just like if you have a phone and then you use an old password. You get a new phone. You want to change your password. Yeah? Um... You start to use your, your new phone, but sometimes you slip in the old password. Is that correct? That old password there is the old mind that is dead in the old phone. So because you are using, you are handling a new phone, you have to keep using a new password. You have to keep telling yourself, oh, I've changed phones. That's reckoning. Are you getting what I'm saying? So to reckon means to tell yourself that I am dead. Praise God. Can you offend a dead man? Hmm? If I slap you, are you supposed to respond? No. Why? Because you are a dead man. Somebody say, I'm dead to sin. Lift your hands, shout hallelujah. Now say with me, say, I'm dead to sin. I reckon myself dead to sin. Envy, jealousy is a sin. When you see someone who has something you don't have, and then something begins to stir up in your heart, envy and jealousy. Are you getting what I'm saying? And then you begin to act in a, in a, in a kind of way. You have to tell yourself, no, I'm dead to this. That's not how I roll. Praise God. Next verse. Move to the next verse. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, 
But under what? That's one of our key scriptures for the mission. Uh, so say it with me. For sin shall not have dominion over me. Because I'm not under what? But I'm under what? Grace. You know what people say today? That when you preach grace message, you encourage people to sin. It's a lie. It's the law that is the power of sin. Because the Bible says that the strength of sin is the law. Not grace. So somebody saying, because I've, I've been hearing grace message, that's why I fell into sin. And that's why I keep falling into sin. It's a lie. You are not hearing grace. It's not grace you are hearing. If I, if I give you a costly gift, I gave you a gift, the last thing you want to do to me is to offend me. Grace is about the gift of Jesus Christ. So how, how, can, you, how can you say you understand grace and then you, you, you deliberately want to sin because you say there is grace, because there is the gift. There's nothing like that. So it means you don't understand grace. What it will be at best. The Bible says, I write unto you children that you do not sin. However, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. The, the Bible says, he's not saying, he's, he's not saying you came with the advocate. He's saying that the advocate for you is with God. You didn't bring your lawyer. The person with God is for you, who is like your lawyer. Next verse. My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. And if any man... No, let's, let's go back to Romans. I, I want to close with this. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. Next verse. What then? Now there are two God forbids in Romans chapter 6. The first God forbid is the one that deals with the sin, uh, I, I talked about the, the nature of sin, the thing that produces the sin. Then I also talked about the residue of sin. Who knows what the residue of sin is? Guilt. The body of sin is the nature of sin. It's what produces sin. Then it causes the actions of sin. Are you getting it? But the residue of sin... Is the guilt you feel. Now what Satan is selling to you is not the sin. What Satan is selling to you is the guilt after the sin. So you need to be taught that you have been freed from guilt. That's what the blood of Jesus purged you from. So when I read in Hebrews chapter 9 that the blood of bulls and calves could only purify the flesh. But had no reach to the conscience. The blood of Jesus reaches the conscience because it deals with the aftermath of sin. So it settles the guilt factor of sin. That's what the blood of Jesus does. What then shall we say? Or, or what then shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Now see verse 16. Now verse 16 follows to tell us what our responsibility is. But the first God forbid says what God had done because of the motion that he carried out by crucifying the old man. Do you understand that? Now the, the second God forbid is, it says, 
Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves, servants to obey. His servants ye are to whom ye obey. Whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Next verse. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin. You see the word were there? That's past tense. But ye have obeyed from the heart that, from, that, that, that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Next verse. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members' servants to uncleanness and to iniquity, unto iniquity, even so now yield your members' servants to righteousness unto holiness. So, the summary of what this is trying to say is that guilt cannot become a part of your life because Jesus has paid. He has washed through the blood of Jesus your conscience. So, you are free from anything that is called guilt. Now, the word remission means to blot away. It means that it never happened. Why are you guilty of something that God doesn't remember? Are you getting what I'm saying? Why are you guilty of something that does not exist? You can't be guilty of something that does not exist. So Satan's concern is not just the act of sin, but the guilt of sin. It's a trap. And that's the reason why you, you, you must be careful not to be a slave of sin. Because if you are a slave of sin, you put yourself in a trap. And before you know it, you begin to guilt trip yourself. Do you understand it? Sin can never affect God. It will affect you. Sin does not affect God. It affects whom? It affects you. I'm going to continue this now because our time is up. Glory to God. I'll continue this on Sunday. But I want you to know that God finds no fault in you. Praise God. I say God finds no fault in you. You stand holy and perfect before him. The word righteous means that you stand side to side with Jesus Christ and there's no sense of inferiority. Glory to God. So we, we, are, not under, we are not under the law anymore. We are not under the dispensation of condemnation anymore. The Bible calls it the ministry of condemnation. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Hallelujah. But now is the ministry of righteousness. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Praise God. You know why in, in this dispensation you, you will fall if you fall and you will run to God instead of running away? You know why? Because God counts it not against you anymore. Because God's position can never change. God is eternally reconciled to you. If you want to change God's position, you have to undo what Jesus did. That's what it means. And because you can never undo what Jesus did, God's position towards you can never change. Praise God. There are many people who are here hearing me. You are under the guilt of certain things that have happened in the past. And you are saying to, to, to me, you are saying, Pastor, you know, my life has been a baggage of so many sins. My life has been a baggage of so many wrongdoings. I'm the worst person ever. Trust me, you have been delivered from the product of sin. You've been delivered from what caused the sin. You've been delivered from the guilt that stays after the sin is gone. Into the sea of forgetfulness, he has thrown your sins away. Praise God. So we are righteous in Christ Jesus. Are you getting what I'm saying? First of all, you know that you have power to live right. Because the old man is dealt with. 
That's what the first certainly not is. And then secondly, you know that the guilt, even if you fall, are you getting what I'm saying? The guilt, those things that you fell for last week, when they come back to you, you reckon yourself dead. And say, no, I'm dead. And you are not condemned. You are not under condemnation by those things. Are you getting what I'm saying? So you are righteous in Christ. That's what the blood of Jesus has done for us. Praise God. I humorously say that you, you, you can't say you don't know where I'm coming from. You don't know where Jesus is coming from. Jesus is, Jesus is coming from a longer road than you are. What he had to go through to, to save you is longer than the life you've lived. Remember Pastor Tunde Ayeni preached a message and he called it um, the roadblocks to hell. Journey to hell. That was the message. Journey to hell. He said if hell is there, there are many, there are many barriers, there are many things standing in front of you that will stop you from going to hell. Number one, his word. Number two, his blood. You see, you have to beat many things to get to hell. Somebody said, Pastor, are you, this thing you are saying, don't mislead us. <laughs> don't mislead us. You are talking heaven matter here. This is heaven. You don't go to heaven by what you do. You don't. You go to heaven by what Christ has done. In fact, you are already in heaven. The Bible says that he has raised us up together and we are seated in Christ in heavenly places. Far above prison. So, are you trying to say that when you sin, you first come down? First. Just come down. Come down. Come down. Come down. Come down first. <laughs> Get down from there, my friend. <laughs> you are sitting there crossing your leg. Then when you now repent, you now climb up again. You know, you know how much work Jesus will be doing? Yeah, you come down. You, you go up. You come down. You think that's what Jesus is doing? We are seated with him. Far above principalities and powers. It's an eternal reconciliation. Eternal. Do you know when I found the gospel, the fear of going to hell, it left me. I now knew that because I knew I was not going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my dad is a pastor, leave all that one. That's not the point. Your dad is a pastor, does not confer righteousness on you. It's the more reason why you may sin. You've not heard that pastor's kids are, are, are the worst kinds of kids ever. Apart from us. <laughs> Don't laugh, because many of you will become pastors and your children will be saying what I'm saying. I prophesy in the name of Jesus. Many of us almost ran away from ministry. Do you understand? Because of the pressures of what we grew into. But when we understood that we cannot be angry with God because of our anger with people, we decided to stay with our ministry. Are you getting what I'm saying? So somebody saying, Pastor Phil, don't, don't, don't mislead us. So because if I fall into sin, are you, are you trying to say that if I, if I don't confess my sin now, if I, don't, if I don't confess my sin, I can still go to heaven. Thank you, sir. That's exactly what I wanted to say. How many can you confess? How do you construct the prayer? <laughs> Forgive me for the one I know and the one I don't know. 
The one I did by omission and by commission. Nonsense. Nonsense. I used to say, before, Lord, before I die, help me know. So I can quickly just pray that prayer before I go. So that when I see the accident coming, I just need one minute. Father, you know, I crammed it. And I crammed it so fast so I can say it so quick. Father, Lord, forgive me for my sins. All the ones I know and the ones I don't know. <laughs> rubbish. Rubbish. We are righteous in Christ Jesus. I'm telling you. Praise God. First John 1 9 says, If you confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of all. He's, he was talking to the Gnostics, He wasn't talking to believers. You don't understand. It's not time to say that, say that one now. Time has gone. Praise God. But I just want you to know that if you put your faith in Christ, you are heaven bound already. Okay? And I want you to know that you have the power not to sin. Why? Why? On, on, no, on God's part, why do you have the power not to sin? Because it's been, the old man is what? He's crucified. Then on your part, likewise, me, I will reckon myself dead. I will tell myself, no, I'm dead to this. I will not be lying again. I will not be snapping like I snapped before. I will not have resentment like I have before. I will not live in unforgiveness. Why? Because I'm dead to it. I will not see my brother and hate him for no reason. Why? I'm dead to it. Are you getting what I'm saying? Because the old man is dead. What produced that is dead. So therefore, this one, I will, rec- I will tell myself, I have imputed in my head that I am dead to it. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Let's celebrate God for the blood of Jesus. Thank you for what the blood has done. Thank you for what the blood has done. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening and for more information about the Standpoint Church, visit our social media platform on www.facebook.com slash standpointabj, twitter.com slash standpointabj, instagram.com slash standpointabj, and on soundcloud.com slash standpointabj.